0: It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, cause this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robell and Whitney Lordson. I'm tired. Who am I imitating? No one's going to get that joke. It's fine.
1: <laughs> but I think it's funny that, that sometimes when we're tired, we revert back to this almost childlike state. Like, I feel like...
0: Well, you should tell the story behind that.
1: Yeah, so we have a good friend <laughs> who, whenever she's tired, that she declares it publicly to let everybody know that she's tired. But only us in her close company, because we get the joke to,
0: I'm tired. No, there's got to be more of a history behind.
1: no. It's just her own weird voice. Oh. It's her own weird thing. But I, the point is, I feel like when people get tired, they, they revert into like a very like, come cuddle with me. I'm tired. <laughs> like people revert back to this interesting like childlike vulnerability. It's actually kind of really cute to observe.
0: Well, tell people what you do when you're tired.
1: I get grumpy. That's well, what I yeah, do. I get really also, grumpy when I'm you tired.
0: A, you do something physically when you're tired.
1: Oh, I yawn a lot. My ears get red. Oh, and I scratch my head. I yawn, obviously, but I get my head gets really itchy. And my ears get really red. So if you want to know if I'm tired, dead giveaways. How how red are his ears and how itchy is his scalp? It's very interesting. It's like a dead giveaway. He's itching his head. His ears are red. Itching his head and his ears are red. <laughs> but
0: it, it is fascinating because I don't know anyone quite with those characteristics Neither when they're do tired. I. It's really fascinating. And yeah. and you've told me that you've been doing that since you were a little kid. Oh,
1: yeah. Absolutely yeah
0: like, why do you think your scalp itches when you're tired? I
1: don't know. I get itchy periods, it's not just my scalp. I get like weird, tingly itchy feelings in my body when I get tired. You
0: also really zone out,
1: oh, yeah. it's yeah it's
0: hardcore noticeable. You like stare off into space or you just start being harder to connect with. <laughs> and uh, I'll just know that you are <laughs> really tired. And D- it's funny. Needs a reboot. It's really <laughs> interesting to me how. Some people just have completely different reactions or stamina when it comes to sleep. Well, my thing is that I don't do well in the mornings, but at night I could stay up for as long as needed. I have so much stamina at night. I could stay up super late. I could probably stay up for 24 hours fairly easily. I know I have before. I can go to bed and get just a few hours of sleep and wake up and force myself to function. The hardest thing for me is getting up On the earlier side. And it's actually really fascinating to me. Something that I've been curious about and paying more and more attention to is that my ideal schedule is going to bed. Right now I go to sleep around 1.30, 2 Uh a.m., which is really late for a lot of people. But there have been periods where I could go to bed between two and four a.m. Right. So to me, actually, one thirty a.m. is early. Progress. It's it's, it's progress. progress. Yeah, maybe not early, but it, yeah, it's any time before two a.m. is early for me. Mm-hmm. But I've been averaging one thirty, and I feel like I'm definitely making some progress. And my ideal time to wake up, which is probably part of the reason that I go to bed on the later side, is what time I go to sleep. Getting up at ten thirty a.m. is my ideal.
1: That's interesting. So and getting
0: up before 10.30 feels really early to me. Yeah,
1: yeah and you're, it's interesting that your body seems to be in tune with that circadian rhythm for you.
0: And it has for you know? a long oh, yeah. time. Yeah. I, I mean, when I say that I've been curious about it, sometimes I wonder, oh, is there something wrong with me? Is this an indication that there's something going on with my health? Is right. this bad for me? I've tried to do some research around it, but nothing's been super compelling. There are articles that come out fairly frequently about the times that you go to sleep and how that impacts your health. Mm-hmm. And it does seem like the data is leaning towards someone like me who considers themselves a night owl that, I mean, I've seen articles suggesting that that your lifespan can be shorter. So that's a motivation for me, but there's also part of me that doesn't fully believe that because it doesn't seem like it it has a massive impact on me. I mean, I feel so healthy in every other way. There's no major health indicators, but who knows? Maybe it is shortening my life. This is one of the rare times I would say this, but it is so unpleasant for me to get up much earlier than 1030 mm-hmm. that I would almost rather have a shorter life <laughs> if that meant that every day could be more pleasant and I, it's weird to say that out loud, but yeah, so I'm why laughing. would I force myself to get up at a time that, that does not feel physically good to me to just, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if it bought me like a couple more years of life? But if those couple of years of life meant I had to get up a lot earlier and feel unhappy and <laughs> uncomfortable every single day. That kind of sucks, right?
1: (laughs) So Whitney's going on record saying that she's willing to sacrifice a few years so she can sleep (laughs) in. (laughs) No, but I
0: know it's amusing, but I actually do mean it. And I, I guess I can relate to some people who feel that way about different things. It reminds me of when Jason's television show, How to Live to 100, came out. There was a frequent response of people saying, well, I don't want to live to 100. That sounds awful. Remember that?
1: Yeah. Well, that's because they had an association of you know, living to be 100 as being this decrepit old mummy, you know? (laughs) And my whole response was like, well, if you take care of yourself, you're not going to be a decrepit old mummy. Right. You know, but culturally, all we have, unfortunately, to this point, by and large, with some exceptions, right? I mean, there was a really interesting video that came out a few years back about a vegan cardiologist who lived in Loma Linda, who lived into his, I believe he lived into his late 90s, and he was mowing his lawn and driving and traveling and... I believe he practiced surgery, cardiology into his late 80s or early 90s. So yes, there are exceptions to the rule. My My grandfather
0: would be one of them. He was 97 and a half. Yeah. And physically, his health had been declining, although I feel like that didn't necessarily have to be the case. I don't think that he was doing any extraordinary measures to take. He was taking the best care of his health that he knew how. how. He actually really wanted to live to 100. I really wanted him to as well. But he still, you know, he was eating a lot of poor food. Yeah. You know, again, just probably out of ignorance or whatever. But anyways, the thing about my grandfather is that he was completely with it mentally. Okay, actually, completely is, is, he is was a little sharp, bit of an exaggeration. He was he very was sharp. sharp. The last few months of his life, he actually started to have some hallucinations. But that was like, again, maybe like a couple months left of his life that happened to him. But I talked to him less than 48 hours before he passed and his memory was entirely there. And he knew who I was. Like he cognitively, he could have... A great conversation and remember most of his life. And it was just like he was the same person that I remember my entire life, except for the fact that every once in a while he hallucinated about like people being there. You know, what's actually interesting. This is such a tangent, but what if like there really were people in his room that we just couldn't see them? We'll
1: dig this, okay, on this. And, and we're going to loop it back around to the original subject soon enough when we wrap this tangent, <laughs> dear listeners. This is interesting, right? So DMT, Dimethyltryptamine, they call it the spirit molecule, right? Full disclosure, I've done DMT and had a DMT trip. And that was interesting. But DMT is manufactured by the human body and it's released, I've heard, in highest concentrations at birth and death. Mm -hmm. So perhaps as your grandfather was getting closer to the end of his physical existence, like DMT was being released in his body. I don't know. I'm just putting out a theory that maybe these hallucinations were from the DMT. It's yeah, possible because as you get closer to death, when you die, there is DMT released in your body, which my experience with DMT was very hallucinogenic. Like yeah. where I would, I mean, that's maybe a different podcast, right? But I was literally in a to different place. i my dad place. about that
0: because it was when my grandfather was in hospice. So again, he Close wasn't in hospice end. that long. Sure, sure. So I'd have to get my specifics, but I do remember that there was one time where my grandfather thought there was like somebody else staying in his room with him and he only had one bed in there. interesting. I think that he thought he had like a roommate or somebody had like a bed. I don't know if it was anybody that was actually alive. So what if it was like a ghost or- extra
1: dimensional being. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who's to say? Right? I mean, I'll have
0: to ask my father if like he was hallucinating about people that were still alive because that would lead me to think, well-
1: maybe the lines of reality were getting like right. p- like past and present were getting blurred but
0: if these were people that had already passed on to me i would kind of suspect what if there was just simply because my grandfather was so he just felt so sharp i mean what yeah. else i mean again who knows what goes on with the brain and yeah. i think tying this back into what i was saying about sleep is that it is very possible that there are things that we're doing to our brains constantly and we don't realize the magnitude in fact i've been getting a little bit more into Daniel Amen. I was listening to one of his audiobooks a month or so ago. And actually, you know what it was? It was through Brendan Burchard's HPX podcast, yes. which we'll put in the show notes. And he had an episode of Dave Asprey interviewing Daniel Amen. And I was so, it was so fascinating. We'll link to that because it is really captivating and interesting. And it made me want to go do a brain scan at the Amen Clinic because he's saying it can predict your health in extraordinary ways and give you opportunities to work on it. And I think there's so much that we don't fully understand about the brain yet, Mm -hmm. right? And so another good tie-in to the subject matter is, for me, not only do I like to go to bed late, but there's clearly something going on with my brain when it comes to sleep because most of my life I have slept talked and slept walked. Mm. I don't know if my parents would be able to pinpoint the exact, but I know that when I was a little kid, this would happen every once in a while. And as I've gotten older, my sleepwalking and sleep talking have become more and more common. And it's something that people are very amused by because anybody that's been in the room with me when, including Jason and most of my friends, family members, like they've all witnessed this in me, And I also use a sleep recorder frequently. This is the best. Every night, it's on my phone. It's an app called Sleep Talk, which I can put in the show notes too if anyone's curious. I got this years ago and it was like $2 or something and it was so worth it because I use it all the time. And it's helped me identify a lot of patterns with my sleep. So I have a tendency within an hour and a half to two hours after falling asleep, I'll sleep talk there's at least a fifty percent chance that I'm going to do it. The other interesting thing, which we'll get into later, is that the I've been really tracking it the past two or three weeks, and for the first time in a while, it has not been as frequent. So I think that there are some changes happening in my health or something, whether it's emotional health or physical health, but something's shifting where. I'm not talking as much because mm-hmm. I've been trying to identify what's causing it and the frequency and all that. I'm trying to like do my own sleep study and I've never done a sleep study before. I'd really like to do one, but I have gone to doctors and talked to them. I've read so many things. And, and one of the frustrating things about this type of a sleep disorder, which technically is what I have, is that there isn't really much that can be done for sleep talking It's kind of just disregarded. And to me, I think there's gotta be some underlining factor because it's odd, right? Is there like something chemically off in my brain, right? So maybe that's another reason to get a brain scan. And the sleepwalking though is the more concerning thing. And this is what I know I've been doing since I was really little because there was times at least once in my childhood, I fell down the stairs because I was sleepwalking, which of course is concerning because you could injure yourself. But since college, I have started sleepwalking more and more frequently, Mm -hmm. and I actually started using a camera over the past year or two that has night vision to record myself and catch myself sleepwalking because I was just trying to, again, figure out what was going on, what was I doing, what were my actions, is there any sort of reason, was there a sound that I heard, what was the trigger? And the interesting thing is, I have not been able to identify a trigger. There's something happening in my brain. That causes me to jump out of bed and sometimes get out of bed and do something.
1: And pick up a knife. And I've start never walking. done
0: that. <laughs> I've never done that. You can laugh, but I'm really serious about this. No, I actually I know, don't I think it's that funny. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. fascinated I just, by it. I've but just been
1: scared in moments because I've, I've said like there was times when in your presence when you've walked and I'm like, please don't go to the kitchen, please.
0: <laughs> Luckily, I've, I've never done that. I have, however, opened up my door and gone outside several times. That's also freaky. That's become more frequent. And I remember when that first happened that I could recall was in college. And I went, I've told you this before.
1: Wait, in that apartment in Boston?
0: It was in a dormitory. I think oh, it was, it was my dorm. freshman year. Oh, oh, oh. I thought you were, I thought
1: I was imagining the place you lived that was in like the alleyway place. I'm yeah. like, whoa, that okay? No,
0: that would have that would not Hello. would not have been good. I don't have any recollection of it happening then. But it oh, might okay. have. I think I would remember if I had gone out to the alleyway. alley. Yeah. <laughs> no, I the first big memory of it was in college, and I like found myself in the bathroom across the hall, and it was like an odd place for me to be. And luckily, I don't think anyone saw me. It was late at night, but I think I would have been so embarrassed. And then... I also have a recollection of, of probably 10 plus years ago, I was living in an apartment in Venice and I was found, like woke up as I was walking down the stairs of the apartment building. It's definitely scary. And I think that might've been the time where I almost went to it and did a sleep study. I had really good insurance through a job. And so I went to a sleep specialist and they recommended that I do the sleep study, but I didn't actually do it because I left the job right around that time. And I would have been fascinated to see the results. But it actually would be even more interesting now because over the past 10 years, I've been really passionate about health. And so I'm curious, like, how has that impacted my brain? And that's probably one of the biggest frustrations for me. And and Jason will share this as well, is that sleep is one of those things that feels really challenging to figure out. Yes, And I think both of us have this relationship where we have different sleep issues, right? So mine are mainly the fact that I go to bed really late and wake up late. So sometimes I'm worried that that's a bad health issue. But for me, the sleep talking and sleep walking are so frustrating and mm-hmm. I want to get to the root of it. I don't know if I can. Right? I mean, that's the thing when you research them. All the articles that I've read are basically like, well, you could take this medication, but there's really nothing else you can do. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and that's so frustrating. There's not even advice on like supplements to take, you know, like all of this stuff. There just isn't much information out there about even a holistic viewpoint of healing your sleep issues. And so... My point being that it's frustrating for me because I feel like I'm doing so much for my health. I'm going to yoga, I'm meditating, I'm eating well, I'm staying hydrated. Like, I'm just, like, trying to do everything I possibly can, and yet the sleep issue is still there. And I think Jason has that similar frustration with his sleep issues, is that it doesn't quite make sense to you. And there isn't a ton of readily available information out there that could help, right?
1: I mean... On an overall kind of continuum, right? When I was researching the sleep chapter for eternity, my first book, there's a lot of science around sleep and there's a lot of science around the brain, but what they don't have is any definitive evidence of what exactly the brain is doing or how the body is healing itself while you sleep. That's Mm -hmm. still kind of a mystery area. And it's interesting to see the research unfold of like, okay, what is the purpose of sleep? They're like, oh, it's to repair the body, but they don't know exactly where we go when we dream, like where is our consciousness going? what is happening in that process of dreams. I find the subject so fascinating from not only an esoteric conversation perspective of what are dreams and what's happening chemically and where does our consciousness go while our body is sleeping? Like that's a whole fascinating subject and lucid dreaming. I was experimenting with lucid dreaming years ago and actually using techniques to try and be conscious
0: Mm -hmm. of...
1: Controlling my movements and my choices whilst in a dream, being fully aware whilst in the dream—that's fascinating <laughs> as hell. Did you that at all? I never did. Really? I mean, well, not intentionally. There have been there have been times where I've been in a dream and been fully cognizant of the fact that I was in a dream and in a different reality. Not because I got myself there. I was experimenting. There's different techniques that I was trying out to like get myself into a lucid dream state, but I was never able to how do I say this? Intentionally create the conditions. Anytime I've been in a lucid dream, it it seemingly just happened, right? Not because I was Mm. trying to prime myself to be in that state.
0: So wait, when you were aware, when you were lucid dreaming, you were able to control yourself for a little bit?
1: Yeah. I remember specifically in the lucid dreams that I've had of like, holding my hands up and being like, oh, I'm me, but I'm somewhere like being fully cognizant of being in a dream as opposed to most dreams. I feel there's not a cognizance of I'm in a dream. It's just kind of we're living and it's an alternate, I don't even know, reality, spirit world, who the hell knows what it is. But then you're like, oh, wake up. Oh, I'm back on earth. I'm back in whatever this reality is. But the times I have lucid dreamed, it was like I was fully present to the fact that I was in a dream and in it. Hasn't happened much. And it also hasn't happened because the well, practices what did you do
0: when you recognized you were in the dream? Did you make any choices or were you just like, um, I think it was like, it? I
1: think I remember like having conversations with people and feeling like it was totally normal. Not like, oh, I'm in a dream. It was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Let me like do some things. And mm. I remember flying in one of them, like yeah. choosing to fly. I feel um, like that's like the go to. Because I I know
0: I've lucid dreamed, but I was probably a teenager and I have a memory of lucid dreaming, but I don't really remember what I did. If my guess would be the flying thing. Yeah, for whatever
1: reason, (laughs) for me, when I have been lucid dreaming and cognizant of it, I remember that I have the power to levitate and fly like I on command. Like I'll be in the dream and I'll be like, oh, shit, I can do this. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and just like, I remember like lifting off the ground and just like flying around a room or like flying over the tree. It usually has something to do with flying. And my choice to remember I had the power to fly and going like, oh, right, I can do this. Duh. Mm-hmm. And then like, like leaping out of this, you know, off the ground into the sky. That actually um,
0: reminds me of not lucid dreaming, but fairly recently, sometime within the past, probably three to five years, because I know I was living in the place that I'm I am now, which by the way, is coming up on six years that I've been living here, which is mind blowing how time goes by. And there have been a couple times where I've, I've had really odd experiences. I'm pretty sure I told you this, Jason, where I felt like I was visited by some sort of being. I'm somebody that I have a pretty open mind about aliens. I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if they existed. I'm not somebody that's a massive believer in them, but I'm curious. Mm -hmm. And I love watching documentaries and things. I mean, I think a lot of us are fascinated by the unknown and the possibilities. And it's just not a huge part of my life is my point. But there have been a few times in my life where I had the experience as if I was being visited in my sleep. And there was one time that I don't recall strongly enough to paint a picture of verbally, but I do, it's a very strong like physical memory. You Mm -hmm. know you have the memories where they're very clear in your head and you can express them and then other times you know something happened but your brain almost can't describe it anymore?
1: I think so, yes. you know what I'm talking about? Yes.
0: So this was one of them where I was awake, it was like somewhere in between awake and dreaming. I've had that a lot in the past few years. I've also noticed myself, without even trying, I can feel myself falling asleep and like still feel conscious as I'm going into the dropping into the dream. That actually happens to me almost every single night. And so now this conversation is inspiring me to tap back into lucid dreaming because I yes, feel like that's the key, that, right? Is that you doorway. have to you, you have to try to remain aware. And I just haven't put much effort in. Probably last night, actually, I have that. Feeling of in between consciousness. It's amazing. It's really fascinating. It's not something that I even think that much about. It just happens. Mm-hmm. And maybe that has something to do with the sleep talking. I think that there's some part of my brain that's like working in a really interesting way. And maybe it's all about shifting perspective. Whereas for years, I felt frustrated by that, thinking like this is so annoying. But maybe that's actually an indication that there's some other type of consciousness happening. Right. So to come back around to these like visitations I've had, it's not like I'm sitting here going, I was visited or abducted by aliens. But honestly, that's kind of what it has felt like where there have been at least one time in my life recently where I saw Or felt something above my bed, like on the ceiling, talk communicating with me. I'm pretty sure that's happened multiple times here in this place that we're recording. (laughs) Not like actually in the closet that we're in right now, but on my bed. And having basically a nonverbal communication with this being, and I remember very distinctly that I was trying to not forget the messages that I was given.
1: Do and and you remember being, any of them no, now?
0: That's the thing is I didn't hold on to that. You know, you have to be so cognitively aware and careful. I probably would have had to actually wake myself up and like say it out loud so that it would be recorded. And I, I remember one time I was trying to do that, but I wasn't fully connected to my physical body.
1: So interesting. Yeah. So interesting.
0: It's really fascinating. Anyways... Why don't you share with people your experience with sleep and what's been going on lately? Let's get to more of the practical.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I I just have been so passionate the past few years, last year in particular, because 2018, 2018, thank you, because I experienced such consistent insomnia last year, more than I had ever had in my entire life. Insomnia has never been a real issue. It's never been a chronic thing to address in my life, but last year, for some reason, man, the insomnia was crazy. So for me, I've just been on a quest to continue to sleep hack, you know, and I continue to refine it and experiment with different things. So where I'm at with it now, like my whole kind of pre-bed ritual, if you will, which seems to be working like this year, oh, I have not, 2019, I have not experienced much insomnia.
0: Oh, that's good to know. At all. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. So the adjustments, right. I've been trying to Eat my last meal two to three hours before bedtime, not Mm -hmm. eating right before, because for whatever reason, before bedtime, I am a cereal muncher. I'm a late night cereal (laughs) muncher. I want cereal before bed. It's like a thing. Which is
0: interesting, though, because for as long as I've known you, you have always been very strict about not eating hours before bed.
1: Yeah. But like for real. So you're just
0: doing that. Those rules are in place because you're trying to control yourself.
1: Yes. And they're, they're, they're in place because I've realized that for whatever reason, I've noticed a corollary. If I do late night eating, that tends to keep me up. Another thing is to start my wind down process where I don't have my face in a screen
0: and Mm -hmm. I try and like
1: limit my screen time. That's been another thing, like at least an hour before bedtime.
0: And the blue light blocking glasses, which we're both really into. Yeah,
1: huge fans of Swanwick Sleep. Yes. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Really great blue light blocking glasses. They're very stylish too. Yeah, we have Um,
0: matching pairs. I got a pair and then Jason wanted to get
1: them too. And those
0: are so wonderful. They basically are reducing eye strain.
1: Absolutely. Blocking
0: out the blue light where studies have been showing that... The blue light can actually interfere with melatonin production. Absolutely, And so melatonin is crucial in helping us fall asleep and stay asleep. Right. And that's why I decided to get the glasses. And it's remarkable. I actually find that wearing them helps me feel more tired. So that's been the way in which I'm going to bed earlier. If I put them on half an hour to an hour before I want to fall asleep, I'll start to yawn. I'll start to feel really sleepy. And it's not just for wearing in front of a screen. It actually blocks out any blue light. I think it was Dave Asprey that was talking about in one of his books how we're just exposed constantly to blue light unless we are only exposing ourselves to daylight and specifically installing lights that don't have blue light in them. Mm -hmm. Like most of the light sources that we're absorbing as human beings has the blue light in it, which is interfering with our hormone production. Yes. And when I heard him say that, I actually was a a big concern of mine, Mm -hmm. you know, to think about what if every day, I mean, I think this is actually very true. And part of the reason we want to do this episode is that there's so much happening in our day life. We don't even realize how it's disrupting us. I mean, as human beings, like, are we really supposed to be up hours and hours and hours after the sun goes down?
1: Not really. (laughs) <laughs> not, I mean, not not in our most natural setting, we're not.
0: So there's part of me, no. even though I enjoy staying up till one thirty in the a.m., it's really not natural. And I've created all of these ways to block out the light. So Jason actually introduced me to blackout shades. So I have those installed, but those the light still gets in from those. I don't have them perfectly installed. So my place still gets light. And, and I've actually noticed the past week or so, I've been waking up around 9, 30, 10 a.m. naturally because the light comes in mm-hmm. really strongly at that mm-hmm. time to my place. And then if I want to keep sleeping, I'll put on a sleep mask. I actually have a really great one from this company called Dream Sleeper, which I'll link to. And it covers your entire face. It's super comfortable. And so I've basically created hacks to allow me to sleep later, whereas part of me feels like it'd be a really interesting experience or experiment. What if we started going to bed like when the sun went down? How would that shift our health and our lives, you know? What do you think? I mean, going to bed, right now the sun goes down around 8 p.m. and it's we're encroaching on summertime light. So that's pretty early. And or what are you going to turn off all your lights at that time? I mean, that's a serious commitment.
1: Yeah. In a natural setting, right? So when I was in Costa Rica for the first time in 2005, I was there on a friend's property, helping him build out some structures for a yoga ashram, and I was sleeping in a tent, like in mm-hmm. the Costa Rican rainforest. Okay, when the sun went down, you go to bed. Yep, because you're not in San Jose. You're not in a city. You're like out in part of the rainforest. There's so, nothing to do. That's it suns down. Let's go to bed. <laughs> yeah. So well, we are
0: part of that. Being that when the sun comes out the tent gets really hot.
1: That's also correct. That's also (laughs) very correct. But I want to go back to your your point about blackout shades and melatonin. So yeah, the blue light blocking glasses are great for helping you secrete more melatonin. Blackout shades, sleeping in as much of complete darkness as you possibly can, also great for melatonin. Another sleep hack that I've been doing hardcore this year is tart cherry juice before bedtime. Mm -hmm. So I'll have a couple tablespoons of tart cherry juice. It's a concentrate that I'll mix with filtered water. I'll take that an hour before bedtime. And tart cherries are one of the best foods to help you naturally produce more melatonin. As are almonds, other nuts, bananas are great for melatonin I think oat production. Oatmeal too, Oatmeal's right? great too.
0: Which is odd, because so many people have it in the morning.
1: Yeah, and so I actually started <laughs> like having oatmeal at night sometimes, really? and it's definitely like helps me power down.
0: <laughs> also, um, the temperature in your place is is huge. We actually tend to sleep better when it's colder.
1: Cool room, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I actually have an air filter on in my room. I have a fan on in my room. And in the hot summertime, I'll actually run the air before I go to bed. So sleeping in a like cool the AC. room. the AC. rather. Yeah, mm-hmm. the AC. I also am a big fan of a sleep mask. Yeah. Um, Which one I, do you use? It's some someone I got at Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't wear the giant one, the dream sleeper. You use um, like the
0: Bucky mask? Yeah, I think. the Bucky. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That is really nice. We'll link to that too.
1: Also unplugging EMFs. Yes. Massive. So it's a non- also time. a non negotiable is unplugging the Wi-Fi yep. and putting the phone on airplane mode. I have yes. an alarm on my phone, but I keep it away from my head. hmm I also use earplugs because five animals at home and they <laughs> like to make noise in the middle of the night. Yeah. And so it's this ever evolving thing, I think, that was inspired by last year's just chronic insomnia. I realized for the first time and not it's like insomnia is different than and we've both done this you know where we've got a big project and we're just going to stay up all night working on it that's not insomnia that's a different thing that's when you're super focused and super passionate and maybe there's a deadline and you need to get to it the next day this was like I want to sleep and my body won't let me sleep
0: mhm that's intre- i that's don't know if i've ever experienced tough. that but jason i recall that you were doing all of the things that you just listed out, none of those were working. So what do you think shifted? I mean, none of those tactics you just shared are anything new that you've added, are they?
1: Well, the tart cherry juice is new. I wasn't doing that last year. That's new. The tart cherries hmm. new.
0: I feel like it was in impro- also- I mean, I, cause I was at the point as this friend of giving Jason like every sleep product I could find yeah, because yeah. we often get sent products or try them at shows. I mean, you were trying the sleep CBD. I remember I gave you the melatonin gummies. There's mm-hmm. a couple brands: Rescue Remedy. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty either that one had tart cherry in it or the other one, which I think is Mega Foods vegan gummies. I'm almost 100 sure that had tart cherry, and, and that did not work for you. But maybe it was the actual juice that made a difference. Is that what you think? Mm-hmm. The other mm-hmm. thing to mention mm-hmm. that Jason introduced me to is magnesium.
1: Yes. Huge.
0: And so Huge. for a while, we were taking natural calms magnesium, and I really was having trouble consuming it because it was so sour and tart. I tried all a bunch of their different flavors. And it was the point where I was like gagging having, <laughs> and that was my personal, you haven't had that experience no. with it doesn't affect you. No. But for something about my taste buds, I couldn't, it was like having a super sour candy or something where your whole lips want to pucker up. Right. That's how I felt with Natural Calm. The, the product that I really like right now is Pure Essence and they have a magnesium powder. My favorite one is the, I think it's an orange vanilla. I had that last night and it was, So good. These magnesium powders are super helpful for relaxing your muscles, which can also help you sleep. And you can actually take a magnesium bath too. mm -hmm. So if I really want extra support in sleeping, I will take a bath with magnesium salts and I will take a magnesium supplement through like a drink powder or something like that. Mm -hmm. And that Seems to help me in just relaxing overall and easing myself into sleep. Yeah. And keeping my body relaxed while I'm sleeping, which perhaps could help with the sleepwalking.
1: Yeah. The other thing I added in on a consistent basis, which is kind of late last year, early this year, was using a a diffuser with organic lavender. Mm -hmm. So the diffuser I added in, and that lasts for two hours, there's a 120 minute cycle. So right before I go to bed, I'll load it up with water and some lavender and I'll let that go for two hours, the first two hours of sleeping. The other thing, and this is like if all else fails, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I do use, I use marijuana when I need to. Mm
0: -hmm. And it's- Well, why not just CBD? You find that the THC makes a big difference? Well, no,
1: here's the thing. So my current cocktail before bed, this is the last thing I consume before bed is like six to eight ounces of the tart cherry juice. I'll put five dropperfuls of. I'm actually using an ionic magnesium now, where it's a liquid magnesium. Who makes that? Um, Sun Warrior does. Oh. But there's also a great brand called Mineralife. We can link to those in the show notes. And so I'll add five squirts of liquid magnesium, and then I'll add three dropperfuls of CBD. So I have an eight. Which brand do you use right now? I mean, I have so many that I'm just. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, um, you know, Purium that I've been using. Pur- mm-hmm. Purium has a good CBD. Oh, okay. They've got a good CBD. I always, when I'm looking for a CBD, I'm looking for a full spectrum because some CBDs are not full spectrum, mm. meaning that they fractionate or use a part of the CBD molecule and not the whole thing. So I'm always looking for something that says full spectrum CBD. Mm-hmm. However, I've noticed that for my body with a recommended dosage on pretty damn near every CBD I've had is way too low. Mm. So I will triple or quintuple or quadruple <laughs> the amount of like if they say, oh, one dropperful full, I'm like one my ass. I'll do like three to four to five. But it
0: depends how much is in it. I mean, it depends on a a lot of factors it, with it, CBD. It
1: does. But what I'm saying is if the CBD magnesium tart cherry juice isn't working and all the other things like, you know, I have used marijuana medicinally in the sense of like, if I have it right before bedtime, I will usually knock myself out with it. Mm, interesting. So So that's. If I feel like I'm having insomnia, that's my last resort. Got that's it. like the nuclear option for sleep, and if you will. And you found
0: that so effective, like, and it's definitely going to work. Because I, I remember when you were really struggling with insomnia. There were times where you kind of felt like desperate to find something that worked. Oh,
1: absolutely. And and I was my whole thing was I didn't want to be, you know, like oh, I don't want to be like smoking marijuana every single day or using edibles or whatever, but. There was actually an organic edible that I was taking, which was like pretty low dosage. I can't remember the name of the brand, but it was like an organic trail mix bar that was infused with, it had CBD and THC in it. And I would take a tiny like one by one square and I would have that along with the juice and everything else. And like the edible wouldn't kick in until like right before I started falling asleep. And I found that that was really good too. So Mm. so for me, I just I guess it's about Figuring out what your body responds to is the point of this, and knowing that there are so many methodologies that are coming out. But we found again the blue light blocking, the blackout shades, sleep mask, unplugging EMF, not eating two to three hours before bedtime. You know, magnesium, tart cherry juice, melatonin, all these things. And like I said, for me, if I need to, you know, medicinal marijuana, using that as my last resort has been effective. And like I said, this year so far, I think I've only had one night which is great for me, where I was like, oh, I can't sleep. Mm-hmm. Last year was nuts. Yeah. So I'm really grateful right now that for this moment, I seem to have found some good puzzle pieces that are working for me right now.
0: Yeah. And that's really part of it is is this ongoing exploration, because it doesn't feel like any one person has had all the answers for sleep as far as my research has led me. Totally. I actually have not dug in nearly as much as I would like to to Ariana Huffington, who has a whole book about this. And I really want to read her. So there's still so much more to learn. And she has been praised as being incredibly knowledgeable about sleep. But I have read a lot of books, listened to a lot of podcasts and read a lot of studies and all of these things throughout my life. And it is so much about putting the puzzle pieces together. And I think it's just not allowing it to get that frustrating, you know, and My heart goes out to anybody who's really struggling. I mean, I think an extreme aversion would be someone like Michael Jackson, who like got to a point in his life, as far as we know, where he had to have a doctor administer drugs that ultimately killed him because he was so desperate to sleep. Yeah. You know, and I think that's on the rarer side. But, you know, I think maybe it's just not discussed as much because some of us might find shame in it or we might think that nothing can help and we just want to give up, you know, and there's so many products out there and I've I've tried a lot of them. Mm -hmm. My issue, though, has not been getting enough sleep. I'm someone that can sleep for nine hours very easily. right? I need a minimum of eight hours. And that's the other thing I've learned through talking to people is some people are, are cool with seven hours, right? And uh, some people could sleep for 10 hours. And there actually is some data saying that that is not the healthiest thing for us. Like getting seven to eight hours tends to be on the healthier. Nine might be a little bit more acceptable. And so this is the thing is I'm fascinated by all the data out there and as Jason mentioned, we're still learning so much. And this is something that's ongoing with this podcast is, is we don't have the answers. And I've never met anybody who has all the answers to health and can just diagnose you and solve your problems. It's really about taking in the information and trying things out and being patient throughout the process. I think if I could recommend one thing, it's, it's to track it. You know, recording my sleep has given me a lot of insight and noticing all of these little behavioral changes that I can make, not only when I eat, but what I eat. Am I hydrated? That's something actually that's been noticeable is sometimes in my sleep recordings, I cough a lot. So the last few nights I've been really aware of how much water I drank before bed because I'm also somebody I can sleep. I won't usually wake up in the middle of the night needing to use the bathroom so I can drink a ton of water before I go to bed. Not everybody has. that. You're lucky. You're you're lucky. Are you one of the people that can't drink a lot of water before I'm a late
1: night peepee. Yeah, I I have to watch myself because that tart cherry juice cocktail I tell you about, Mm. I will literally drink it like right before bedtime. So that I can hopefully not wake up in the middle of the okay. night. So I need to be very mindful of my liquid consumption before bed because yeah. it's hard for me if I wake up in the middle of the night to fall back asleep. It's v- it's challenging for me to do that.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'm again, I guess I'm lucky in that sense. I can easily fall back to sleep in mm. most cases. Mm-hmm. So you know, each of us has a little bit of a different situation going on with our bodies. And my best advice is just keep tweaking it. Stay curious. Experiment. Keep a journal you know, use a sleep recorder. If you want to track any audible changes, you can actually wear devices. Like if you have an Apple watch or Fitbit or something like that, you can sleep with those on and track your sleep. I've done that. Although sometimes I worry about the EMF. So I'm I'm not super keen to that, but I think it's really interesting, even like how much you're tossing and turning and what position of you're sleeping in. There's just so many factors to how we sleep. It's It's something we should be paying attention to.
1: Oh, the one thing, because I know we're getting close to the wrap up, is the musical component and sounds in terms of sleep. So I've been using two things that I want to also link in the show notes. I have an app that has nature sounds, right, on the phone. And and these are not required on Wi-Fi. So you can have your phone in airplane mode while you do this. And you can have streams and rushing water and forests and ocean. And it's really awesome. So that app, I can't remember the name of it, but we can put it in the show notes. The other one is our friend Moby Mm -hmm. has a great album he came out with in 2016 called Long Ambience.
0: Yes, it's so good. And
1: I will use this album for not only meditation, but I've used it before bedtime. And it's in 432 hertz, which that's a whole nother conversation about what 432 hertz means (laughs) and the vibration of that for the body. But it's more natural than 440 hertz, which is what most music is. But this ambient album is full of like these rhythms and these tones that are so relaxing for the body. So check out that album from Moby. It's really, really good. Yes. And I think Evie is telling us it's time to wrap up.
0: Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) That's actually my biggest challenge right now is her. She often gets restless and it's hard for me to to sleep super late. Jason well, has the same issue with his animals sometimes. Well, that's, you know,
1: that's why we have this great Patreon account for Elevator, <laughs> and you can help us uh, build the recording shed in my backyard, which is being planned right now. Actually, I think after we record today, we should just look at some options. But uh, yeah, we do have a <laughs> Patreon account. We have some great supporters who have been supporting this podcast, and um, if you want to check that out, we'll uh, link to it in the show notes as well, and we would be so, so grateful for your support and helping us continue our work to share resources and ideas and new concepts that we can all experiment with to enhance our wellness, enhance our joy. And our, our state of consciousness here on the planet.
0: Yes, and we very much see Wellevator as a community. So chiming in on social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and we also have the website, so wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. There's a blog there you can comment on. You can find our email address. We just love to chat with you publicly or privately. So please make sure to you know just let us know what you're thinking and what's working for you, and any questions that you have, we're here to support you and. We I'd love to introduce you to other people in the community too
1: so that's it for now we'll see you with another episode coming soon and a restful night's sleep to you my friend
0: thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today for show notes and more high performance resources to help you thrive go to wellevator.com that's w-e-l-l-e-v-a-t-r.com